You're listening to a Money on the Move weekly series, Flashback Fridays. We are bringing back our favorite episodes from the archives. Every Friday, I'll bring you a blast from our past. Hi, everyone. It's Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. I had a deep experience of these individual plants. And if you're open to it through taking them, you're getting like imbibed by the energetic layered experience of that plant, which is not just physical, is not just chemical. I mean, there is an energetic spiritist kind of thing that can happen. That was Scott Lind, Sun Potion founder. And this is Marnie Salop. I'm your host. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. As you know, each week I'll be bringing on interesting and exciting guests from all over the world to share their stories. On today's episode, I have the opportunity to sync up with Scott Lind from Sun Potion, the founder of the company that's dedicated to health and well-being through its transformational medicinal plants, tonic herbs, superfoods, you name it. He's got it. I have been personally using Sun Potion on and off for the past year. And I'm a huge fan of the mushrooms and adaptogens. I love the tonics and the potions. When I heard Scott was going to be in New York City, I immediately had to go meet him and learn more about the products and hear his story. Thanks to Sun Potion, Scott is really bringing these amazing ancient healing remedies that date back centuries in Chinese, Japanese, Taoist, and Ayurvedic herbal healing to the forefront of mainstream wellness. Scott and Sun Potion have been featured everywhere from Allure, well and good, Vogue, and more. He's such an incredibly interesting guy. And his journey from Minnesota, cross-country skiing, and U.S. triathlon to Ojai and Sun Potion is incredibly inspiring, not to mention his side hustle, race car driving. So, <laughs> hey, Scott, thanks for letting me do that intro. Thanks for coming today. Thanks for oh, thank you meeting so me much Rescue for having Spa. me. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. This is such a wonderful location. Yeah, it's beautiful. Very zen. So tell me a little bit about Sun Potion and your journey and you know what you're doing here in New York. You know, we could say basically I'm working for the plants. So there's this opportunity to kind of bring and make available these some of these foods that you mentioned were tonifying, adaptogenic, sort of participatory, preventative, wellness, experiential herbs, which can be added to people's daily experience or daily ritual in some really simple ways. And so my journey in brief, falling in love with tonic herbs, later so learning about them, finding them and doing things to kind of have them be a part of my daily life. Some years went by, about four to five years, and then realized one day, oh, these things aren't available. So maybe we could just help to make them more available to the market and give people an opportunity to have access to them. And wouldn't it be fun to have so many of them around? We could just like sit on pallets of them and things like that. So how did you discover 
all of these amazing healing. Well, really, the, the discovery came over a course of several years, and it was a exploration in meditation and time in nature and having teachers of different lineages, whether it was Taoism or Taoist tonic herbalism or Red Tantra or Qigong or a variety of other things. So you'd hear little snippets or little pieces from teachers or I would, and my brain would just get so curious and activated and excited to go and find out about these herbs that were said to be supportive to the practices or things of that nature. Yeah, it was really like a scavenger hunt to go and find best quality examples of each of these plants. And so when we look at the brand, it's really just an outpicturing of personal preference and standards of personal standards of quality and desire to have uh, best experience for myself and then to share that with people near me. And then later that became a whole different kind of evolution of the project in the sense of sharing it on a broader scale and making it available for more people. I loved hearing your story and I would love for you to kind of share it with our listeners about how, you know, where you sort of come from, your athletic background and how you moved to LA and what your sort of moment was where you realized like you needed to leave LA and go live in the wilderness and how you went from Minnesota to LA to Oregon and your adventure and journeys and discoveries back to Ojai, which is... Ojai and then Santa Barbara. Yes. Couldn't do the company from Ojai. No. Deep nature, great, but needed to go somewhere with a little bit more movement. So nearby, Santa Barbara, also very nice, more movement and then access to the rest of the world through that small town. So um, in backing up, you know, we, we, I grew up on a lake in Minnesota. So we had, you know, witnessing of the seasons, these migratory bird patterns, the, all of the flora and fauna that center and hub around these lakes in Minnesota. There's so many of them. They're very plentiful and the access to water and nature there is like really profound. And so when growing up living on the, one of those lakes, during the week or off times or seasonal changes or even in the winter. I mean, we were spending so much time outdoors and doing physical activity. And you mentioned cross-country skiing and running and swimming and sailing and all of these things. I was like a fish. And so, you know, really it started with things like swim team and cross-country running, skiing, biking, things like that. I was on the U.S. triathlon team when I was 19 competed in Calais, France, and uh, did relatively well there for my age group. And, and uh, you know, but basically through high school and college, doing these college and high school athletics, really training a lot. And so being pretty influenced by the feelings of chemistry from endorphins and um, just the, the runner's high, so to speak, that maybe some of your listeners are familiar with, I think. Yes, definitely. And, and, and of course you are. And so that feeling of just empowerment and feeling awesome, I mean, was a really cellular part of my upbringing and also that connection with nature, the lake, and through the seasons and things of that nature there. So I moved to California when I was 23. I lived in LA for three years. I did things like assisting in real estate kind of ventures. I was a little bit overrun on the, on a sensory level by the city, just didn't have the foundation or the like adaptability to be able to handle the stressors of the city. So I had a, I was like almost a shut in in the city, but I would go to go to work and then I would 
stop and I had a recreational grocery shopping enjoyment fascination. So I'd go to the health food store and Air One was right down the street. So I'd go to Air One and I learn about all these organic produce and things that those things we didn't have as a part of the growing up in Minnesota. I mean, it was like Velveeta cheese and uh, TV and all that kind of stuff. That's more mainstream things. So I got really fascinated with food. Um, you know, eventually I was fortunate to be able to leave Los Angeles. I kind of got catapulted out of the city. Basically, my nervous system was just a bit fried and fritzy, so I needed to go. And the solution was get back to nature. So you mentioned Oregon. I did When I left LA, I did go up to Oregon for three or four months and just did dispersion camping. I had a mountain bike and a little trailer that I could drag my camping gear along with me. And I just went and stayed as far away from people and out in deep nature as possible and camping and sleeping outside and all these wonderful things that we have access to. If you if you go up there and try it, it's lovely up there. That's so incredible. I mean, I couldn't even imagine like just leaving New York City and just disconnecting. It'd probably be the best thing I ever did. It's immense. There's a whole unraveling that occurs and it doesn't happen right away. It can't, it doesn't happen in a weekend. It doesn't happen in a week. There were stages and phases and layers that were coming undone over the course of years, really. Um, you know, from that Oregon experience, I went down and did six months at Mount Madonna on top of Ashram, top of the mountain in Santa Cruz, learned a little bit about sattvic diet, connection to nature, redwoods, top of mountain, living in a little shanty out in the woods, totally awesome, just in, enjoying myself immensely up there. And middle of winter, though, cold, icy, stormy, electricity going out and these things. And I was like, man, I'm just too cold. I got to get to somewhere a little warmer. So let's go back south to Southern California where it's it'd be like a warm 40 degrees at night instead of whatever it was up there, and there'd be snow in the morning and things like that outside the little shed I was living in. Uh, went down to Ojai Foundation in, in Ojai, did, uh, you know, land stewardship and lived outside there, um, continued to live in Ojai and use that as a base. I uh, fell in love with the land there. There's many beautiful areas and mountainous kind of terrain there. It's very dry. Learned about barefoot hiking, which became then my outlet for moving my energy and exercising in a way, but also allowed me to have daily connection to the ground, to the nature, to exploring all these many, many trails and pathways and special spots around the Ojai Valley. And, you know, during that five years, I was five years from leaving LA to then kind of graduating and getting to go into Santa Barbara, I was purposefully J-O-B free job journey of the broke job just over broke that's awesome job no thank you so i was i was like i don't know what i want to do with my life but i do know that i want to know and i want to be on some kind of a service based experience of something bigger than myself so i uh my little mantra as i was following curiosities and learning from different teachers and doing different practices and things like that while i had lots of time to do those things while living in Ojai, I was going, give me a job. Give me a, where's the mission? We're putting it out in the universe. Give me my divine kind of service mission here. So, and silence on the line. I mean, there's like, so I was just going like, okay, no big deal. I'm just going to continue. We're doing the next, whatever seems to be the next right thing. 
and this winding ambient sort of do as little as possible kind of a path started to take form and shape and I was learning all kinds of great things. One friend came to town after about five years of being there and said, okay, uh, time to like come back to <laughs> earth society and, you know, like no more workshops, no more reading books. Like you've got, you've, you're, you've done enough of that. You're wasting time. Now go back and like start participating with life. And oh, by the way, get in the car. We're going over to Santa Barbara and you're going to move, you know, you're going to check it out and maybe you can live over there. I had never visited, even though it was very close to Ojai. I was like literally off the grid up in the mountains. So I went over and I loved it. And I went, oh, but I don't know anybody over here. And oh, you know, it's, I don't know, it's kind of a city. There's like cars and banks and people and all these things. And so he goes, oh, no, no, just check it out. You're going to love it. So I moved over there three days later. During this time, towards the end of the Ojai time, I was having these kind of really awesome experiences of, of just sitting and going like, wow, oh my God, it's all, they're all talking about the same thing. We could take some micro minutia of one of these different teachings or lineages and explode it into a conversation about every part of every other thing that I've been looking into and exploring and learning about and practicing. And so there was this kind of, uh, uh, like drawing together of all these seemingly separate things into a collected package of understanding. And also at that time, this, this thought of, wow, I've been learning about these tonic herbs. I didn't even know they were called tonic herbs, by the way, initially, but I just hear about single things and then eventually later got some kind of lineage based herbal teachers and mentors whom I learned from and like started learning that Oh, tonic herbs. These are things that have an amorphous effect in the body. They bring the body into more equilibrium and balance. They have kind of a nonlinear thing that they do with the system of like building and fortifying so that the body can be both more robust as well as more adaptable. So are tonic herbs adaptogens or are there other herbs there in are, tonic uh, herbs? You know, tonic herbs can be adaptogens. Uh, not all adaptogens are tonic herbs. Um, some, many tonic herbs are adaptogens. It's kind of like adaptogen is to say, this is a plant where if you take it, your body will uh, use it in a handful of different ways to help your body to adapt, quote, adapt to many different types of stressors. So a classic example of that, which is a tonic herb and should be, you know, can be taken every day kind of a thing is ashwagandha. And ashwagandha is this plant whom, if you were taking this plant, you would have it would support your body to have deeper natural sleep cycle, waking up with lowered morning cortisol levels, helping to nourish the thyroid, balance hormones for both men and women, is supportive of a healthy mood. You know, if a person has mild anxiety or depression, something of that nature, um, healthy immune system and libido. And, you know, so here's one plant chemistry that the body is able to take that information from that one plant and go, Oh, we're going to like make use of this for these dozen different things. So it's helping the body to adapt to these different kinds of stressors. Got and, it. Oh, it's I okay. didn't mean to interrupt you. I was, I just wanted to ask that quick question, but um, oh, back to your story about when you arrived in Santa Barbara and you were talking about like the tonic herbs and sort of pulling everything together. Right. So there was this realization of the similarities in these different teachings or practices 
And then there was also a spontaneous feeling of like, oh my God, I could make these herbs available to customer to not, not even thinking customers. I could just act as a conduit or a pipeline or a pathway, kind of a bridge for these herbs to be available to people and to be available to, you know, maybe people that would like them or would need them. I had a deep experience of these individual plants. And if you're open to it, there is like an, a way to actually just through taking them, you're getting like imbibed by the energetic layered experience of that plant, which is not just physical, is not just chemical. I mean, there is an energetic spiritist kind of thing that can happen. And so I had all this, uh, you know, in, in alignment with, I had spoken earlier about that unraveling of some of the held experiences of school and college and parents and regional cultural upbringing right. and yeah. all the things that we just kind of make up who we think we are. As some of those things were unraveling and as I'm taking tonic herbs, I think that was helpful on both accounts. And then I was also learning that I had a lot of latent potential and subtle nuanced, refined, energetic kind of sensory things that were coming up in whether it was an increased availability to listen to my discernment or intuition, to listen to my body, to feel my body, to be able to say like, oh, I, I'm i not going to eat that food because I know it's I'm not going to feel good afterwards or, oh, I'm going to eat this food because it is like, look at it, it's full of prana, it's like super life force charge. Did that, did that like happen to you when you were living in the mountains or were you always that way? Like even as a kid? I think I was really sensitive as a, as a kid. I was relatively, you know, soft-spoken and probably thrived on good behavior, mm-hmm. feedback and kudos for good behavior kind of thing. I was really committed to the, to the sports as we had talked about earlier. And, and there's, I mean, Minnesota, there's just a general like, work ethic and kind of approach to things that I've found a lot of benefit in having grown up like that. And so, you know, as far as sensitivity and things, I think though, no, not so much. I mean, a little bit. I mean, I was kind of a little bit of a like special (laughs) (laughs) space cadet kind of child probably. I (laughs) I could totally relate. So there was that going on. And then, but you know, these, these things that were unfolding as I was getting familiar with herbs and practice and my own system were very profoundly different than uh, what I was used to. We'll just say that. And, you know, having come off of a history of so much athleticism or aerobic kind of training and that kind of thing, I was finding that my experience with the herbs very closely mirrored the chemical experience of doing some of that extreme workouts and having the body functioning at such a high level. And I loved the feeling of feeling good like that. So right. I think that was a major pull to start using them and learn more about them and have the curiosity for them. Um, but no, there's definitely things that started opening up. And so this idea of, oh, wow, wouldn't it be fun to just make these things available? And I would be sitting and going like, wow, what if we put it in a grocery store and some lawyer walks in and the the helper in the store there goes, you know, oh, or he's like, you know, I, I'm having trouble sleeping at night or something like that. And she just kind of goes like, oh, maybe this ashwagandha would help you like we just spoke about. And you give it to the lawyer and he starts having it in his morning tea. And next thing you know, like, 
all kinds of things start shifting and changing and unraveling and being rebuilt and sensitivities coming up and in sensitivity, not in a flimsy way, but sensitivity in a robust and like grounded, stable way. And an awareness also like it's happening around you and how your body is reacting to foods that you're eating. Right. And I just thought, wow, wouldn't it be so cool to start kind of having an influence or a supportive way for people to start accessing some of these things within themselves, whether they know on the onset that they're getting into all this or not, that's probably doesn't matter so much, but right. let's like make it available and see what happens. And so that, that became really exciting. And within two weeks of moving to Santa Barbara, the, the branding, the name, the logo, the labels, the jars, the first product was like in a store. I think what you're doing really well with the products, I mean, the quality, obviously, but also the branding and the packaging and the design. I mean, like, as we know, a lot of these herbs and tonics have been around for centuries. You know, if it's in a paper bag in a corner of a store versus like a really beautiful blue jar that's very luxurious with a beautiful label. Design savvy, coded syntax, math, number sequences. The entire label is fully a multidimensional creation. Some of it is, of course, the like structures of the FDA of what they need mm-hmm. to be on there. And we do all that. But there's an intentionality around uh, around the way that those presentation, the labels, the branding, the symbology of the winged sun disc, which is kind of the brand's logo. is So sun potion, this... Um, Symbol from Egypt with a circle and two wide wings and two snakes. The Caduce, uh, it's kind of like a representation of Kundalini or activated pineal gland or the kind of transmutation of the body from density into light, becoming like the sun, the activation or opening of the channels of the snakes in Egyptian mythology, when you see two of them together, this is Kebahut, the daughter of Anubis. She is like the female creational force of the divine. So the creatrix kind of energy. She also would have been seen, maybe you'd see Anubis and you'd see him standing on two snakes. So he would ride on her, on her back. And sometimes you would see the profile of the dog Anubis sitting on a box which was the Ark of the Covenant or Pandora's box, and she's inside. So That's the, so fascinating. Right. So the idea with the box is if you can get Anubis off the box, that's one project, but then there's like a mercy lid that says like, really, do you really want to open this box? I don't know if you remember some of the Indiana Jones. No, I do. Re- <laughs> I love Indiana back. Jones. You're totally speaking like, my language everyone now. Everyone <laughs> gets blasted into dust because the power yes. is so un to unwieldable, yes. or, you know, unwieldy yes. or un- unholdable. And so this idea of, you know, this symbology is like really a presentation of what the whole brand is about and including what tonic herbs on a daily basis is about, which is fortifying and building the subtle channels in the body to be able to hold more energy of the divine in the body so that the person as an individual can kind of create a handshake with their higher self mm-hmm. and pull it into the system. It's like if you're eating at McDonald's, your whole stuff is all jammed up and gummed up and weak and flimsy and this and nothing against the brand. Uh, <laughs> Don't get me started on McDonald's. But but um, 
But you know, if you're eating low vibrational food or food that's not serving your body in a really high and refined way, uh, refined being, you know, the good refined, not like bad refined. Yes. Um, not like refined sugar. Not like that. Yeah. Skip the sugar, all that stuff. Eat tonic herbs, have tea, these kind of daily practices. So, you know, the idea is if we're just thinking of our normal lives, maybe we have a peak experience. Uh, we go hiking and we get up to a mountaintop. We like having a great day. The weather is amazing. We're the, with our loved ones. We get this great view. We feel incredible. And then we come back to our daily life or our job on Monday morning and we feel like, oh, like, why am I back here? Yeah. So, you know, so this up and down experience of peak experience back to normal. So when taking tonic herbs, the, the idea here is that you're building circuitry so that you can hold and maintain and sustain and integrate peak experiences so that you go up, you go, wow, this is amazing. And then you're able to integrate that change in the body and then hold that different level or harmonic or kind of strata of experience until you come up to another spike and then you hold that. And so this is an ascending kind of spiral that you, I mean, is available Right. We're getting a little esoteric here. No, that's so fine. No, I don't. It. Because this is why I think, this is what I think is so interesting. And I'm completely, I think it's completely fascinating. And I, and I get it. And I feel like, you know, for my listeners, I think it's really important that they understand. Because I think a lot of people think this stuff is woo woo and it's real. And it's like, I speak from my own personal experience to understand like the balancing and taking the tonic herbs. I mean, I don't think I take as many as I probably should be, but I think that it's interesting for people to know where it comes from because it's a real thing. It's science. It's like proven medicine. So. Right. There's a lot of research. Right. If we look at, if we're looking for a more grounded or lineage, understand uh, linear understanding of these plants, there's an immense body of research about each one of these tonic herbs. Um, you know, if you look at pubmed.org, that's public medical records. Those are international public records. So there'll be studies from Israel and Germany and Japan and Southeast Asia, US, all over the place. And these are public medical, uh, published medical records that you can search the database. So you go, oh, let's look at chaga mushroom and bacteria. So you type in chaga mushroom bacteria, and then there'll be research there that shows you that if you take chaga mushroom, it has a effect in fighting bad bacteria in the body. It doesn't go after the good flora, um, but it would do something to offset and shoulder out the spaces where the things that aren't serving the body are hanging on. So chaga mushroom is a woody mushroom that grows on the side of birch trees over the course of several years, is exposed to cycles of seasons and weather and moon phases and all those different things, and it's all informing the subtle energetic, but also the chemical energetic of what is in there. And so you could say that the uh, melatonin on the inside and the betulinic acid on the outside and all the lung chain polysaccharides and the different chemistries that are in that, they have a physical effect on the physicality of the body. And so they bring more space for things that are good for our body. And then they create an environment which is not supportive or not good for the things, the critters that we don't want in the body. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of talk lately in mainstream wellness that I've been observing about mushrooms and 
about all of the amazing powers of mushrooms from chaga to, cordy- to cordyceps to reishi. Well, I'd love to kind of like explain what the different mushrooms are. And I know that you also with some potion have these mushrooms that are available for people to buy and add to their teas every day or coffee. Reishi mushroom, which you mentioned a long history of, of use. I mean, reishi mushroom is probably the longest used therapeutic healing, you know, not medicinal, but tonifying plant on the planet. I mean, it's, you look frescoes and um, paintings from ancient Chinese art and things of that nature going back like 5,000 years. I mean, 2,500 BC, come on. It's like so long ago. You go into the Shaolin temple and like all the bodhisattvas on the wall are all holding up reishi mushrooms. Like something is going on there with that plant, right? So if we have access to it now where it's in, it's not, it's a little different in the sense that we're doing this in a way that um, there's a question of sustainability. There's a question of, of quality. Then there's a question of um, the cleanliness and quality of the plant material. Then there's a question of the processing of that plant material into a more concentrated bioavailable format so that it makes it easier for people to use and imbibe on a daily basis. And so in the case of the reishi and the cordyceps, these are both laboratory-grown, U.S.-grown, clean organic, indoor-grown mushrooms that, you know, then are going to be actually instead of doing like a hot or hot water or a solvent extraction of the mushrooms because you have to break up the long-chain polysaccharides and make them small enough pieces so that the body can actually absorb them through the gut. And so they're using a enzyme to basically kind of pre-digest or break up the, the long-chain polysaccharides and make them bioavailable. So they're not using alcohol extract. They're not using hot water extract. They're not using other solvents. They're actually just um, full life cycle. So mycelia, fruit body, primordial spores, fluids, all those things are uh, first freeze-dried and powdered, and then they're, uh, they have a beneficial enzyme that's added to them, and, and it um, makes the material ingestible. And so what are some of the, like, what are some of the reasons someone would maybe use cordyceps or reishi mushrooms? They're, they're similar in some way in the sense that they modulate the immune system. So they would build your immune system's foundation to be mm-hmm. more robust and strong, keeping away things or helping to prevent the onset or adoption of like the flu bug or the cold or the thing from your kids that they got at school or whatever. You know, if you're in an office and you have one person in the building or in the room that's sick, uh, who's exposed, who's actually sick? Well, they're, they're expressing that, but like everyone is actually sharing the air and all of those, all of the bacterial information, I guess you could call it, or viral mm-hmm. information. And so it's really just a matter of whose system is going to like fall susceptible to the stressor of the presence of those bacteria or viral or whatever the thing is in the air. And so if if your system is really strong and robust, less likely to take on that information from your surroundings, that stressor from the surroundings, and the body can appropriately respond and not get on. Now, also, we said modulate. So not only does it make it stronger, it's going to like make it more adaptable, supple, and changeable. So in the case of overactive immune system, through autoimmune or inflammation or even allergies. These are immune responses in the body, which are the body like fighting too hard to, to against the stressor 
or maybe sometimes with autoimmune, it's like body has a big catastrophe or a big thing that happens. Maybe it really needs to turn all of its jets on to to fight something off and get through something. But then for a variety of different reasons, the body doesn't have, there's like something where it doesn't switch itself off. It doesn't switch the response off. And so it continues fighting even when the threat is not there. That creates heat in the body, that creates inflammation, that creates like a whole set of autoimmune symptomologies or right. things like that. And and so I heard recently that cordyceps are great for athletes looking Amazing. to have extra energy. It's a very different kind of energy increase than one would experience from like a coffee or five hour energy drink. Yeah. No, it's like a totally different vibe. It's like a very grounded Mm -hmm. energy. Yeah. Like you just feel strong. Plant material, body understands plant information, metabolizes it as food. So we said the similarities modulating the immune system, both reishi and cordyceps. Now they diverge in a sense because the cordyceps you mentioned for athletes cleans the lungs oxygenates the blood in the lungs, circulates more oxygenated blood through the body, bringing that aerobic exchange to the tissues of the system. So for athletes or people who are, whether it's soul cycle or you're out doing your triathlons or you're right. just going to the gym or just want to have, you know, clear out the lungs, the cordyceps is a really great support for the body in that way. You know, on a on a scale of yin and yang, maybe a little more, athletic, young kind of um, feeling or presence. Mm-hmm. And whereas the reishi would have like a more restorative, yin, fortifying kind of a mm, spirit supportive thing that it does in the body. If you want to get started on the mushroom program and you want to purchase some potion, what would the process be? Do you think that if they could only start with start. one? Yeah. How like how start, do you get started? Start, like what do you what do you, do? how do you know what to buy? Well, that's a great question. So a simple thing to start with would be something like a reishi mushroom or if you're an athlete, maybe the cordyceps. But these plants, although all of them collectively bring the body into more equilibrium and balance, individually they'll have different things, different ways in which they're supporting the body to do that. So if a person wanted to, say, just feel better, there would be like their mood feeling better. There would be like a couple of different plants that they, tonic herbs, uh, sun potion herbs that they could take to support that uh, end in the body. If they wanted to support immune system, there's a few different herbs that could be used to support those. Now, when I say a few different, it's like, well, there's all this overlap. Like, why do you have so many? Well, they actually are all doing it through different channels and different pathways in the system. So if a person really wanted to go after the immune system and make it superstar, they could just do a handful of these things together. I think the more common approach is maybe someone starts with one thing, they have they go through the jar. It, you know, it doesn't so much as matter all that much if if you start with something like for your digestion like a trifla or something like maybe an ashwagandha for overall um support in the body. The tangible experience if you have these things on a daily basis is such that people often end up having a little collections or beautiful array of them in their home temple kitchen. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, people will end up exploring through the, 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 uh, family of, 
of herbs or products um, based on their curiosity and their experience with one thing. And they kind of go like, oh, this Makuna Purans, I was like feeling so good with my mood. I think I'm going to keep having that. And then I might throw in a little pine pollen and see how that affects or supports my my brain and my healthy libido and these different things. Pine pollen, by the way, bioidentical testosterone, complete food, so you could live on it with clean water um, because it has all eight essential amino acids and like a hundred non-essential amino acids. There's oh, all these really? bioflavonoids. Like it's totally amazing. It's the sperm of the mason pine tree. It's like the genetic material of these ancient, tall, amazing trees. That's incredible. Respiratory trees. And so now you also introduced just recently the yin, is it called yin Yin powder? Power. Uh, Yin power. So this is a collaboration with two women named Nitsa Citrine and Tasia Van Ray. Nitsa, by the way, is our creative director for the company, and she just does a phenomenal job. And these two women are going around and they're photo documenting and creating photo stories of change agents and powerful women who are active in business and art and design and culture and activism and just to celebrate them, to bring some acknowledgement or notoriety to their contributions and their work that that, that each of those women is, is giving. And so you could see them on Instagram at Women with Superpowers or they have a website as well. This yin power blend is really not to say feminine, but the it's a collection of the herbs that are restorative, cultivating, and building the systems in the body. So it's a great place to start if a person just wanted to get one thing and have start having a teaspoon a day kind of a thing in their morning tea. Uh, it has a really nice mild flavor, but it will be uh, kind of a grouping of some of the other single ingredient concentrates. So there's no like Mm, nothing in there is like just to take up space, I guess you could say. So there are going to be things like reishi mushroom that we've been talking about and pearl powder, which is incredible for the skin and some tokos in there, which is great for the skin. The hoshuwu, which is building and supporting the life force in the kidneys. Um, astragalus to help circulate and move these herbs throughout the body and the supportive effects of them to move throughout the body. You know, so you get the idea that these are kind of, that's one product that a person could take on and and kind of get a selection of things going at the same time. And you have another blend. Um, There's an anandamide product, yes, which is the word anandamide. I mean, the product itself is a kind of an, a celebration of this cannabinoid neurotransmitter, which is found only in a few places in all of nature. One is the cacao tree. Two is human beings. And three is certain strands of cannabis, actually. And so this is a non-psychoactive, but they call it like a bliss molecule. Ananda, Satchitananda, existence, consciousness, bliss. You may have heard this from your yoga class or yes. whatever. So anandamide, bliss molecule. So it, it's present in chocolate and humans produce it as well. So maybe there's a little link through this molecule of like, Human's affinity and love for chocolate. And so the blend itself is simply just a collection of things that we would make while offering product, offering foods to our, uh, our guests at our house when they would come. And in fact, um, it'd be like friends come over. Oh, let's make a potion. So we'd get out the Vitamix and we'd get out the 
some nice fresh squeezed, you know, pressed almond milk and some heirloom cacao and a variety of a couple different herbs and some spices. And we'd put it all together with a healthy fat in the blender, maybe a hot tea base, um, nice healthy fat like a ghee or coconut oil or MCT oil or these kinds of things. There's MCT oil, by the way, those medium chain triglycerides. Currently, there's newly available an organic version of it through Nativa, which is exciting. So, yeah, you talked MCT to oil. Go MCT oil. Do you is that some potion, or you can just buy that? At- no, it's my friend John Rulax. Company called Nativa. Oh, okay. And you can find it widely at a, oh yeah, I know Nativa grocery yeah. store or whatever. He and I are old buddies from Ojai days. I was just listening to you talk about the combining the herbs, the healthy fats. And the other night you talked about something that I thought was really interesting and different, which was, I don't know if you call it a delivery system, but combining the herbs with say honey or healthy fats or even alcohol. So can you sort of like take me back to that moment where I heard you say mix the herbs with tequila? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) We can do that. So, okay. So uh, delivery systems or, or potentiators or drivers, we could call these things that you're talking about. And it's a, in a sense, it's like you're combining the herbs, the information from these plants with a driver, uh, such as a healthy fat or salt or alcohol or even spices, because these are things that when they combine with the herbs in your potion, in your blender, they're going to be carried and, and metabolized in the body with those things. So, like, let's take a simple one, like spices. What do the spices do? They are going to like open up, dilate the capillaries, open up the tissues and increase blood flow. And then the herbs can get carried with those spices into the places where the spices are going. So they get carried deeper into the body, combined with fat. The body metabolizes as a, as a healthy fat. It gets carried into the fat layer of the body. It combined with alcohol. Well, alcohol similarly dilate the capillaries, open things up, gets straight into the bloodstream. I mean, and you know, that carries the herbs along with it. So the herbs get taken to the liver. They get like, you know, moved quickly into the bloodstream. There's like a, you know, actually a supportive thing that many of these herbs do for the organs. So it's kind of cool to direct them down to the liver or to the, especially if you're going to be doing things that are directing to the liver anyways. Right. You know, why not just make it a little better? Make it a little healthier. Yeah. All things in moderation and in balance, but you know, you, you start to look at it and it's like, well, if you're going to have a margarita with friends, why not have some astragalus and macuna prurians and pine pollen in it? So what's that going to do? That's such now, a brilliant idea. Instead of idea. just whatever the feeling sensory experience of the margarita is now being supported and added to by this circulatory, heart-opening, activating, mood-supportive, love-vibrational aphrodisiac herb selection. And really, when we're talking about adding them to these different avenues or delivery systems, it's really just to say, clients in having tonic herbs is what singularly allows them to work in the body. So having them on a regular daily basis is what the body likes. The body likes routine, it likes structure, it likes a rhythm. And so if you add this into something you're already having, like everybody does something in the morning, Um, everyone does something in the morning, whether it's smoothie juice, tea, etc. 
And it's just a simple way to take what you're already doing and just make it a little better and support the body in a way that these chemistries and plant information are not available in our food system. So when you start taking tonic herbs, you're actually providing your body with this healthy, helpful, amazing information from plants, which have been supporting and working with humans for millennia, eons, and ages, and now are available in a way that is easy to use and fits with our modern life. And it's such a cool time because we actually are at a point where we really uh, could use the support. I think it's a it's a great way, and I would love to. Um, I know we are short on time, but uh, maybe we can add some cool recipes to the show notes because since I've tried this oh, we'll amazing tea, yeah, that'd be easy. I mean, it's so good. I mean, so it's also knowing how to make the right teas and the right oh. flavors and all of that. I mean, that's such an important part of this, right? So, well, I'll just say very briefly that the most important thing is just taking them, and you're not. The, the idea is if you follow the serving suggestions and the like stated like a half teaspoon a day kind of a thing, you can be very creative in your approach. So they combine well with one another. They have a nice synergistic effect when you put them together. Um, you don't need to be taking all of them, but you, you know, you can take three or four at a time and, and, you know, have them out on your counter, make a little food altar for yourself or a, an herbal altar. And it, it's a great way to start the day with a practice of like, um, respecting yourself, honoring yourself, having something that is uh, a beautiful kind of practice that you can say and make a statement to yourself like, I'm beginning my day with these herbs to support my wellness, my connection with myself, my ability to do the good work I'm here to do on the planet today. And so that's like simple. All right. Where can we buy these amazing herbs and remedies and Sun Potion? Go to sunpotion.com. Sunpotion.com. You can check out the Instagram at Sunpotion. There's handles like a potion a day and those kinds of things. That's all a lot of pictorial, beautiful pictures and fun and get ideas for recipes and things that way. But I would go straight to the website. And then if you live in New York City, you can come to... Come to the Rescue Spa. And there's a variety of other places in in Manhattan, but this is one we're especially excited about. So, All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Scott, for coming today to be on the show. And uh, I'm really excited to start mixing things up. My absolute pleasure. Thanks very much. Thank you. Okay. It's a wrap. Thanks so much for tuning in today. And uh, please don't forget to check out the show notes for anything that we mentioned in the episode. Also, please subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. Instagram at Marnie Salop, Facebook, Marnie on the Move. Oh,